Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everybody, welcome to the fastest growing Nuggets podcast that is hosted by a Serbian guy speaking in English. I was surprised they have that category in the Apple podcast. How nice of them to recognize this niche. Welcome to the Serbian Corner. My name is Miroslav Cuk. I'm a fan of the NBA champions from Denver, Colorado, and I'm afraid I'm going to repeat that line in all the shows for at least a year. I'll be joined in a minute uh, by one of the most popular national basketball writers. But before that, let me bug you for a second with a little rant I have prepared. I want to use this time just to say thank you to a few guys and gals that make the Nuggets fandom a better place in the last eight years while we were, we were waiting for the championship. I have to be Nikola Jokic level honest. The first time I fully locked on the Nuggets, pun intended, was after Nikola played at the Olympics in 2016 and was, at the age of 21, the best player on the Serbian national team that won silver medal. And that team was full of veterans. Nikola wasn't even playing his game at all, and he was still the best guy there. In the late 2016, I discovered the Denver Stiffs. I was reading Adam Mares, Andy Feinstein, Daniel Lewis, Ryan Blackburn, Zach Mikash, Gordon Gross, Evan Fiala, Jeff Morton, Mike Olson, Kayla Osby. Then, about a year later, I discovered Locked on Nuggets. I mean, I already knew of it, but I was like, why the hell would I want to listen to somebody speak about something I can read on the internet site? But when I realized I can download the damn thing and just jog, drive, or lay in my bed while listening to the content I physically needed, it was over. I discovered, next to the people I already mentioned, Mike Singer, Brandon Vogt, Harrison Wind, Nick Herzog, Jeremy Poli, Jenna Garcia, Matt Moore, D-Line, my brother superstar Dev, Joel Rush, Swipa, Christian Clark, and then some nice people outside of Denver fandom who jumped on the, jumped on the Nikola uh, Jokic bandwagon early, like Andy Bailey, Dan Favali, Keith Parrish, Dave DeFour, Kirk Henderson, Ben Taylor, and a bit later, Zach Lowe and Bill Simmons. Then the pandemic hit. It was a horrible time. People were trapped in their homes. Everything suffered, except for the podcasts. They actually grew because everybody had a laptop at home and something to talk about. DNVR was founded just six months before the pandemic hit. They opened the DNVR bar just to close it on the same day. Adam Maris and the guys knew they had to be extra creative to survive. 
So they gave a lot of content to the fans that had nothing else to do but watch the shows. So they opened the DNBA show, talked about the best gummy bears and the most little animals, and invited fans to join the show. I was one of the fans. And I dialed in. And I loved it. So I dialed in again. And again. And again. And then together with Voya, Milan and Mislav, who I met again thanks to the DNVR, founded the Nuggets Serbia podcast that still runs thanks to Voya and Antun three years later. So again, a big thank you to all the people I mentioned, but, but I also want to thank the great Nuggets superfans, and people will think I'm crazy for doing this, but I am going to do this. So thank, a big thank you to Chil Ducey, Ray Hackshaw, Peter Martin, Jordan, Alec Gwynn, Kyle Simonsen, Steven Reinert, Amanda Mayers, Andy Jouet, Zamora, Ozo Blanco, Frankie Truillo, Crystal Ghost, Tariq Turner, Denver Nuggets fans from Israel, Kearns King, Midori, Rick, Rick B., Young Atlas, Anna P., Charles Presley, Haley Keel, Shane S., Noah Tucker, Michael Shields, Nate Jones, Molly Hunt, Ana Luisa Figuerado, Mitch Carroll, Yanis Santiris, Lycos, Patrick Rasmussen, Dylan Lynch, Ava, Zach Gottlieb, John Koberman, Joshua, Jake Vanderbrink, Tyson, Led the Young, Cam, Hamburglar, Josh Burnett, Jeff Brink, Boy Named Dana, Chris Morley, Sealo, Jacob Ruggiero, Jake Coyne, Andrea from Italy, Brad and Benji from UK, Michael from Ireland, resident Serbian superfan from China, Boyan, Michi, Max Stan, Surgeon from Sombor, Bobby Gonzalez, Ty Olwin, City Fazio, Omar, Jeremy Nichols, Kate Walker, Johnny Domenico, April, Willie G, Ray Martinelli, and many, many more I couldn't fit in the word count today, so please forgive me. All right, it is time to bring in the only Utah Jazz slash Denver Nuggets fan in the world, a guy I was afraid would have a semi-great season, but actually got a great stuff from both of his teams. Utah had a much nicer rebuild than expected, and the Nuggets had the best season in franchise history. He is an attorney at law, a former University of Wyoming passing big, a nas- nationwide NBA writer for the Bleacher Report, enemy number one of one Nick Wright, and Nuggets <laughs> named favorite numbers guy, Andrew D. Bailey. Welcome again to the show, Andy. Thank you for having me, Miroslav. Um, I recognized a lot of those fans you were shouting out. It's been fun to have interactions with a lot of those people over the last few years. It's it's um, like you said, I I've never technically been like a Nuggets fan. I kind of cross over from multiple teams, and I'm a national writer. But because I've talked so much about Jokic for five or six years now, I, I feel like that community's kind of embraced me and. Um, you named a lot of people I've had great interactions with. It's a really cool bunch. All of these people are very positive in bad and good times. And I, I try to keep away from like Facebook groups and stuff like that because those can be pretty, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> intense. But these are all the guys I met through Twitter and I appreciate every one of them that uh, that interacted with me too. As well. Okay, Andy, let's start with the championship parade. I'm guessing you watched it. I was actually watching 
two broadcasts simultaneously, like one in the NBA app that was Altitude TV and another one from another local TV station in Denver. Just I was just trying to get as many details as I could. Uh, in Serbia, we are really big on parades. We don't use, you know, fire trucks and fighter jets. We don't have the budget for it. <laughs> but if a basketball national team brings a gold medal from a FIBA competition, you're going to get several hundred thousand people in front of parliament building in Belgrade. What was your, or what were your favorite uh, moments from the Nuggets parade? Do you remember? So if you guys don't use fire trucks, is it horses, floats? What, what do you got going there? Big trucks that aren't fire trucks? Uh, just regular, you know, uh, uh, open buses, you know, with no roof, oh, okay. something like that. Like a double deck. Nothing fancier bus. than that. Yeah. 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 Nothing fancier. <laughs> well, I did. I had the parade on. Um, I was in my office when I'm wearing my other hat as a lawyer, and I thought I'll just have it on the background, but I was quickly uh, <laughs> overtaken by the parade. It was quite a spectacle. Um, I've I've seen highlights and I've watched entire parades for other teams in the past. And I feel like most of them are a little bit more buttoned up, a little more formal. I mean, they're, they're obviously letting loose a little bit. I've never seen anybody let loose quite like the nuggets did. <laughs> um, it was, it was fun. It was uh, hilarious to see some of the moments that came out. Um, some of the quotes that came out, I think the, the one that a ton of people are, obviously talking about is Jokic saying he wanted to stay on parade. Um, that was hilarious. And I love the reaction he got from the crowd for that. And I love that he kind of like, there's been all this made up chatter from the media. Like he wasn't excited enough about winning the title. So it was kind of cool for him to, I, I'm sure this is not what he was intending, but it definitely stuck it to those guys. Um, and I thought Malone was the star of the show from, <laughs> from beginning to end. He was just, um, I, I'm not much for lingo. I'm an old guy, but I feel like he was on one. Um, <laughs> jumping off the fire truck, running to the crowd, dancing with the crowd. I, I think between the end of game five to the end of the parade, he's promised a repeat probably 20 times. Um, <laughs> he's he's taken not at all subtle shots at the Lakers. Um he was incredible. And I think you can kind of tell that he's a little bit different than most coaches in like press conferences and stuff like that. But he was truly like, you just don't see that from NBA coaches. And I, and I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I think it was cool how, how much he loved that parade and how much he loved being with his guys. It's, it's really interesting about Malone because he's been coach of that team for eight years. He knows all of his guys, you know, really closely and I, I also think that he was trying to protect his main guys, Nikola and Jamal. You've seen both of those guys said like two sentences each. And mm -hmm. you cannot have a parade with, you know, 750,000 people uh, out there with four sentences. You need to have more. So, <laughs> so, so Malone basically had like four different speeches uh, on the parade. He was awesome. He was really, I mean, he was like intentionally drunk. Like he was like <laughs> he was probably acting more drunk than he actually was. He was really. Some of it. I think he was pretty composed. I mean, he he had some stuff he wanted to say, and he said them all. Could be, yeah. <laughs> and I think you used the right word, like not just at the parade. Um, I do feel like he thinks I have to be 
the vocal one for this team. I think that really came out during the playoffs. And I don't, I don't, again, I don't think it was a bad thing. I know that he's caught some flack from some people in the national media, uh, but he obviously wasn't wrong <laughs> um, to, to display the confidence that he did. They wound up winning the championship. And I, I think his confidence, his bravado, um, the way that he instills that confidence in his players obviously helped. Yes. Uh, another guy that had a really, really interesting showing was Bruce Brown. Actually, Michael Malone introduced him to everybody saying like, we're running it back. Right, Bruce? <laughs> right, Bruce? And, yeah. You know, Bruce was nodding, you know, affirmatively. And then after some time, he cut loose and he came to the mic and asked the audience another year. And of course, the audience got completely crazy. I want to hear your read on that situation. Do you think that Bruce Brown is like a huge tease? Or maybe did he did that to make him, uh, like to put himself in an easier situation when the time is to, to decide between the big check from some other team and a smaller check from the Nuggets? Like, yeah, this is smaller, but I have all of these guys on my side already. What's your read? Yeah. Um... <clears throat> This first came up in the post-game press conferences after game five. Uh, I think it was him and Aaron Gordon were up at the podium together, and Aaron Gordon kept saying he's about to get a bag. And Bruce Brown didn't say anything. He just kind of smiled. Um, and then you mentioned what Malone did at the rally, and he looked a, like a little uncomfortable there too, um, or at least not like fully embracing what Malone was saying. But then when he got up and said it himself – you know, do you guys want one more year? That was the first time I thought, wow, is he actually going to do this? Um, because somebody will pay him more than what Denver can pay him. I think if he opts out, um, and, and I'll have to, somebody will have to fact check me maybe, but I think the most that Denver can give him if he opts out is like seven or eight million or something. Somebody's definitely going to exceed that. In, in, on the open market and through back channels may have already <laughs> done so. Um, but one other thing he said, uh, right after game five in the locker room is that money isn't everything. I think he told Mike Singer that, and, uh, I would say kudos to him if, if that's his attitude. I also don't begrudge anyone who wants to go and get the most money that they can. Um, your career is short as a basketball player and you want to make every dime that you can, I think, but there's something special about this group, um, and he's, he's a very special ingredient. I, you know, we talked about how Malone brings a lot of the bravado and, and I think he does two of the players that I think provided are Bruce Brown and Jamal Murray. Um, and they may be able to replace that with somebody else, but that's, that's a definite positive that Bruce Brown brings to the team. It's his attitude, his competitiveness, um, his instincts. He's, he was a really, really important part of this run. Yeah, he, he only wrote something like 12 or 14 million dollars until today. And somebody might offer like 60 yeah. or 70 right away. And that's really a game-changing money. Uh, honestly, 12 million dollars doesn't sound too bad. I mean, I take from it. my perspective. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I Can could I live, sign one of those? <laughs> I could live 
only of that. I mean, I don't yeah. need any anymore. But yeah, Easy. I'm not. I'm not Bruce Brown. I'm not Bruce Brown. Okay, so let's let's take the the low route and let's imagine he does opts out and and you know signs for Charlotte or whatever. Do you see a guy Denver could try to find in the free agency or trans uh, uh, like trade market to replace Bruce? Um, as far as I understand, I think the front office is pretty confident in, uh, Christian Brown and Peyton Watson to sort of fill that role. Um, I think Christian Brown, he obviously already played a role in this postseason. I think he brings a little bit of, a, of, of competitiveness, competitiveness too. He obviously just didn't play as much as Bruce Brown did. And I think he's a guy who can develop as a shooter as well. I would expect that he's, you know, he's at least capable of being a guy who can shoot in the high thirties from three. Um, so he could help a lot. I think Peyton Watson is very intriguing, very athletic. Uh, some of the flashes we saw from him, particularly on defense, really, really intrigued me. Like there were a couple games towards the end and I can't remember who they played specifically, but his weak side shot blocking almost made me think of Andre Kirilenko. Um, he, he was, he was a menace around the rim, so he could be really helpful. Um, one guy that I've kind of wanted on Denver for a couple of years now, and this isn't really in his control, at least not at the moment is Alec Burks. Um, I think he could do a lot of what Bruce Brown does and he's actually, you know, at least percentage wise, a more reliable three point shooter. He's had some experiences as, as a point guard. He actually started at the point for a little bit for the Knicks, but he's on a team option with Detroit. Um, so obviously it depends on what Detroit wants to do and they may want his, you know, veteran presence around that young roster next season. But if they go in a different direction and decline his team option, he's a guy I think could be available. Uh, I, I, I'm guessing Denver is going to be a tax team operating with the taxpayer mid-level. And I think Burks is a guy who may be gettable at that price range, which I think is going to be about seven million. Yeah, he he's actually the the only positive guy on Detroit roster last year, <laughs> and and he he was playing so few minutes. I think unintentionally they didn't want to be too good. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> he was really good in all the minutes he played. Mm -hmm. Okay, it is time for our first break. Take a sip of rakia and don't go anywhere. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, DNVR Nuggets is Serbian Corner, second segment here. Andy, you've paid close attention to Jamal Murray's seventh season on the Nuggets. Well, it's actually six since he completely missed the 2021-2022 season. 
did you ever expect that uh, that we can see something we just saw in the last two months from him? Like, not... I mean, we've seen huge numbers from him in the bubble, but this was co- something completely different, like a complete package, complete basketball masterclass from him in, in these playoffs. Yeah, this was better than the bubble. First of all, you're you're totally right about that. Um, and I honestly think I can say that uh, may, maybe not quite the level he got to because I, I think people are underestimating just how historic his run was. Um, pardon me getting my phone out, but I did save a little stat for you. Um, (laughs) the only players in NBA history with playoff runs of at least 500 minutes, 26 points per game, seven assists per game, five rebounds per game, and a championship. The entire list is Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, and Jamal Murray. Um, that's it. Four guys. He, he was absolutely phenomenal. So maybe I can't fully say I thought he would end up on a list with LeBron and MJ by the end of this. But <laughs> I did think that he had like – he had a superstar peak uh, in terms of playoff performance. I knew that was in him. Um, obviously, we had a little bit of evidence of that in 2020 when they made the conference finals and they overcame three different – or two different 3-1 deficits. Um, and I've seen that at points with him in the regular season too, something clicks in Jamal Murray's brain when it's, when the pressure ratchets up and that doesn't happen all the time in the regular season. It happens maybe 20 times <laughs> in the regular season in the playoffs. It's like that from minute one through 48 for 16 plus games, Denver played 20 games. So he was in high pressure situations for the entirety of this two month stretch and that activated that version of Jamal Murray for two months. Um, I don't know if that means he's going to be, if, if that version of him is going to be activated for regular season games going forward, but I'm also not sure it matters because <laughs> he's, uh, go ahead. Every team's strategy throughout these playoffs were to tire out Jamal, to put a lot mm-hmm. of pressure on him because, you know, he has that rap about him that he's not super well-conditioned guy like he Mm -hmm. can he can drop off in some games especially during the regular season but he he just evaporated all of that he was really really good at at surviving those kind of tests and of course it's it helps when you have the best basketball player in the world playing next to you that can take a lot of pressure off of you as soon as you can get the ball to him but Having all of those double assi- double figure assist games yep. in these playoffs, that's that's something I was always hoping for, but I really never thought we we would actually see it. Yeah, um, I, I think you're completely right about all of that, and I and I think it's fair, obviously, to bring up the fact that he plays with the best player in the world, but it's also fair to bring up that the best player in the world didn't get his first title until this version of Jamal Murray showed up. So he, he obviously helped Nikola Jokic a lot too. Um, their synergy with each other is remarkable. Uh, I, I can't, it was some article I had to write or some round table or something for Bleacher Report after this run ended, or it might've even been a little bit before the finals ended, 
one of the questions was, uh, you know, is this an all time great duo, these guys? And so I'm looking, you know, through potential historical comps and obviously Shaq and Kobe have come up a lot. Jordan and Pippen always comes up as an all time great duo. There's a bunch. Um, and I don't really think this comp makes sense stylistically, like their games are different, but the synergy I think is similar to Stephen Curry and Draymond Green. Um, Murray and Jokic are like sentence finishers for each other. They always know where the other guy's going to be. They always seem to make the right read. They always seem to make the right pass. And so their talent level is obviously super high, uh, but they take each other even higher with that synergy. And I think that's a unique thing that they have that not a lot of other duos did. Like Curry and Durant didn't really have that. Wade and LeBron didn't even have it, at least not to the degree that Jokic and, and Murray do. So it's it's really cool to watch. Yeah, I like I like the comp to Stockton and Malone because Jokic is That's both, a good one too. both Stockton and Malone. <laughs> yeah. And Jamal is also both Stockton and, and Malone, just like a, In a lot B of ways. version. Yeah. B version of both of those guys. Because they're so interchangeable in the way they can they can screen for each other. That's mm -hmm. that's something that we've never seen before. I mean, that's that's completely bonkers what they, they those so guys unique. can do. You you can see like the the four or five pick and roll between Gordon and Jokic. That makes that. sense because both of those guys are huge. But yeah. Jamal, he is a six five guy, but he's so strong. He has like that that low. Uh, what's the word? You know, the, center the, of gravity. Center of gravity. Yeah, yeah. that helps him. You know, sustain some some uh, impact from other guys. So that that's yeah. really really impressive. And Bill Simmons had his annual trade value ranking podcast a couple of days ago. And for the people that do not follow that, it's like Bill is ranking every NBA player based on okay. So is there any guy that that would be able to be traded for? No, like if if you're number one on the list, that means that your team will not trade you for anybody in the league, and then you drop lower and lower and see guys that are a bit more tradable. And Jamal Murray actually was number twelve on that list, I believe. And so Bill basically said, okay, there are like eleven guys somebody would trade Jamal for, you know, to get an upgrade in the league. And in my very biased opinion. I wouldn't try trade Jamal for anybody at this point if I were the Nuggets. You know, we saw that great two-man game between the you two could, of them. You could make yeah. an argument that he was – you could argue that he was the second-best player in the playoffs. <laughs> um, exactly, exactly. Because so, be yeah. before the conference finals on both sides, you could say that Jimmy Butler was on par with Nikola Jokic throughout the first two rounds. Probably. And he had a little bit of drop-off in the third round against Boston. So, I don't know. Maybe... I don't I don't know who would even surpass him. But in the finals, what we saw from Jamal and what we didn't saw from see from uh, Jimmy Butler, yeah, you, you might be right. I mean, I yeah. still have Devin Booker. I was going to say, he's in the conversation. Amazing. Butler's in the conversation. Um but by the end, I, I think you could make a reasonable argument that the two best players in the playoffs were Jokic and Murray. Yeah. And I know Jamal still needs to prove it in the regular season to get the unanimous top 10 guy status in the league. But isn't it a bit hypocritical to use the playoff success against certain guys, <laughs> Nikola Jokic, for years? 
just not to give Jamal his flowers because he isn't a constant force throughout the year. Um, that is funny that you you bring that up. It's and it's not surprising. It's what the media has been doing for a long time. They they cherry pick what they want to use and what they don't want to use, and what supports their points and what doesn't support their points. And a lot of the like hot takey type shows I wa- I mean I, I don't ever watch them but I do see clips and I always think okay one follow up question would have proved that wrong but anyway um, I think I think Murray would have to be like significantly worse than he was this season and in the playoffs to not make the all-star team now um, so if, if he has sort of a Jamal and, and I think he's probably going to average 20 plus I think I can't remember if he actually did that this regular season or not. I think it was think his first did. season over 20. So if he comes back and has like 21, 22 points a game, six or seven assists, shoots pretty well from the floor, he's now he's now been anointed uh, a champion. And that goes a long way. Um, star conversations, particularly with all-star selections. I think he's probably going to be an all-star this season, which will be his first, obviously. Um so I think he's he's basically minted now. And maybe it was – I don't know if it was fair or not to wait for him to do this. Uh, I think if you went back through his seasons, you'd probably find that, that there were, you know, multiple guards who were better than him in the regular Absolutely. season. So it was probably fair to have him off the all-star teams to this point. Um, but he's got a pretty big trump card now, and I think he's going to make the team. Yes, yes, I, I I agree with that. Yeah, I I mean I was not among people asking for Jamal to be an All Star last season. I was I was strongly for Aaron I Gordon. Actually, to get, yeah, I was going to say get, that. I think Aaron Gordon should have been an All Star. Yeah, and you could even argue that in the second half of the season, maybe Michael Porter was the best player, the second best player on the Nuggets as well. Jamal was getting better, getting better. Honestly, next season, I want Jamal to average. 22 and 8 assists. I don't want to see any less than 8 assists from Jamal. We know he can do it, so so there are no, you know, you cannot... All right. you Put cannot, it up on the bulletin board, Jamal. Yeah, yeah. 22 <laughs> and 8. Come on, Jamal. You can yeah. do it. Okay, it is time for another break. Spread the Kaimak over bread while you listen to these important messages. Okay, third segment here. Let's talk some Jokic now. How great are you feeling after all the years of hatred by Jokic doubters you endured but never backed down? It feels good, man. Um, I, I can't imagine I'm feeling quite like the Nuggets are, but I told a lot of people in my life over the last several weeks, I feel like this Nuggets run is like a vindication tour for me personally. And I feel like I felt like my reputation was on the line in a lot of these series um, because I had some like crazy stuff thrown my way, uh, certainly by, you know, random um, anonymous profiles on Twitter. But I also got into some spats with fairly high profile <laughs> media people. Um, and like you said, I, I didn't back down because I knew all along, like I knew I was right, first of all, Um I, I'm a guy who likes evidence, you know, surprise, surprise for a lawyer to say that. 
Um, I don't, I, I hate saying things that I can't back up with some kind of hard evidence. And in basketball, that's statistics. And so I use a lot of statistics and I trusted the numbers that I was seeing from Jokic because unlike most of the other people in the media, I was actually watching him play. Um, and so the numbers match what I was seeing. Whereas everybody else sees, oh my gosh, Nikola Jokic is now number one all time in box plus minus. That must mean box plus minus is a joke. No, it it means Jokic is doing stuff we've never seen before. Um, look at the look at the top ten guys in box plus minus and tell me the, the, the stat is. Yeah, a it joke. makes sense. And it has always made sense. Um you can nitpick here and there and say, you know, so and so should you know, I wouldn't have him ranked that high on my personal all time list, but that's not what it's supposed to be. Um it measures a specific thing. And it's no surprise that Jokic dominates that leaderboard because he does everything. He's you, you mentioned um, he was, he is Stockton and Malone earlier in this show. And that's so true. He's, he's one of the best creators in the league and he's one of the best finishers in the league, perhaps the best at both, frankly. Um, so it wasn't surprising to see his numbers over the last few years before, <laughs> before this season started, somebody asked me, um, what would Jokic have to do? to win a third MVP or something like that. And I said he could average a 25-point triple-double with a 72 shooting percentage, and the media would still try and take it away from him. And that's, you know, that's what happened. <laughs> he averaged a 25-point triple-double. I know he was, like, barely short on assists, but I'm counting it. Um, and his true 70% shooting through shooting, yeah. It was like, yeah, it was like 70.1. It's, it's bonkers. Like, we have never seen anything close to what he just did. And then if you layer the playoff performance on top of that regular season, um, again, just completely unprecedented what just happened. And I'm not sure people fully <laughs> grasp that. Um, so this is a long-winded answer, but but the answer to your question is, yeah. I mean, it, it was vindication for me. I felt like I was right all along. Um, and there's even a little part of me that hears national media people who've been trying to diminish him for years, well, you know, they're just now on their podcasts and their shows saying he's the best player in the world. And a part of me thinks, okay, good. I'm glad you're finally admitting it. But then the other part of me says, well, why didn't you see this for the last three years? <laughs> it was right in front of you. Um, so yeah, it feels, it feels good to be proven right, I guess, for lack of a better term. And as you said, uh, like a cherry on top, on top of that amazing regular season, you get this playoff run from him. And he had a 30-point somber double average with 46% from three-point line on almost Crazy. four attempts per game, spiced up by some amazing individual and team defense, both on the perimeter and in the paint. And I, I, I put this stat on the on internet a couple of days ago. He scores 600 points in one playoff run on 46% three-point three shooting. That's never happened before. If you have like only one attempt per game qualifier, if you don't have it, then you have two seasons of of uh, uh, Hakim Olajuwon. He actually had fifty percent from three point because he was both in ninety four and ninety five. He was two from four for three point line. total. Total, yeah. yeah, for the whole playoff runs. <laughs> it's crazy. So, we, I mean, we so, just so you remove the assists and you remove the rebounds, and still nobody has done it. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see the um, Did you see the Richard Jefferson thing on? Yeah. Speaking of guys that were too late, um, <laughs> on ESPN, 
the other day. He was day. really trying to save his skin. Yeah, I, I think so. And shout out to if if he found that stat phenomenal. Shout out to the ESPN employee who did. If if he did not find it, um, but he he was scoring like Kevin Durant in this postseason. He was rebounding like who was it? Tim Duncan, um, yeah. passing the ball like Magic Johnson, shooting the three like Curry, yep. and defending like Giannis. Yep. It, it's it's insane. Um, truly like from game one of the regular season to game five of the NBA finals. uh, I think you can make a really strong argument. This is the best full year regular and postseason performance in the history of the NBA. His numbers actually grow linearly with his minutes from the regular season to the postseason. Problem is the competition in postseason is much stronger. So Mm -hmm. he still have those numbers he gets, you know, playing the Charlotte and Detroit and whoever, Oklahoma City, but they're actually good right now. But yeah. you know what I want to say? So you have the elite competition and still there's no drop off at all, at all. And one reason I, I think the Nuggets had this really dominant uh, run with only four losses is because whatever the other team was trying to do to them, they had an answer. And Nikola Jokic really was in the center of of Mm -hmm. that answer every time. It was really uh, impressive from them what they did in game four, I believe, against Miami when they had like a six-minute stretch without Nikola on the court because of the foul trouble. And they still kept afloat and and won that game anyway. So, of course, kudos to, to the other guys as well. It was a really good, good team, but this uh, diversity of Nicolas' game is something you have to put on top of all the numbers we are talking about. It's, I mean, it's not like he can rebound and he can assist and he can score. He can also screen. We don't count his yeah. screen assists. It's, it's not cool in number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should. I, I'm going to pound that drum next year. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I'm already re- ready to, to, to announce that Nicola will average a uh, somber dozen next year. Yeah. So that will be like 12, 12, and 11 for the whole season. That's something that never happened. I cannot, you know, I, I cannot go to the, som- uh, to, the, to the triple dozen yet because he always kind of has a little smaller yeah. assist than he should. Yeah, one of behind a little bit, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's going to be a, a, a somber dozen, I, I guess. <laughs> okay. Still still would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there anything that you saw from him in this playoff that, that surprised you, that, that was new to his arsenal comparing to, to, to the before, seasons before? Um. Not really, honestly. I so I think he he pulled out that I'm going to call it like a catapult three point shot more often than he typically does. That fadeaway where I was telling somebody um, at my office the other day, he Jokic has this weird shot where the ball kind of comes behind his head. The further back he goes, the more behind his head the ball goes, which is hilarious. And those fadeaways against Davis were like fully extended behind his head. And I, I don't, as somebody who plays a lot of basketball, I don't understand how you control the ball from back there. It's just incredible, the touch that he has. Um, 
So just the degree of difficulty of some of those shots was, I, you know, I have to admit that was a little bit surprising. And the other thing is he's not banking those shots in or anything. They're, they're either swishes or, you know, just hitting the back rim and going in. It's his shot making is phenomenal. But for those of us who've been paying attention to him for six or seven years, we know that he has the best touch in the league. Um, to see it extended out to like 27 feet, maybe that was a bit of a surprise. Um, and then the other thing that may have surprised other people, but maybe didn't surprise us as much, is that he can ratchet it up on defense. Um, I, I think he's had good moments defensively in years past and in regular seasons past. But when I, when I really thought, okay, he has it in him to be like a difference-making defender, um, like a high-level difference-making defender was when he guarded Giannis in that exhibition. It wasn't even an exhibition game. It was like a qualifier. Qualifier, yeah. World Cup qualifier. Yeah. yeah. Between Serbia and Greece. And correct me if I'm wrong, he was basically Giannis's primary defender for yeah. most for, of that thro- game. Th- throughout the game. Throughout the game. Yeah. He and won Giannis, that matchup. I'm, I'm sure he had a decent stat line. I'd have to go back and check. But there were a lot of moments where Jokic, you know, straight up stonewalled him. He couldn't get around him on drives. He was contesting shots. I mean, he he looked nimble. He looked mobile. Um, that was an impressive defensive performance to me. And I think we saw that version of him a lot in the playoffs. Yeah, Giannis actually, if we go back to that game, I think Giannis had like 40 points in that game. But he had a very similar <laughs> 40 points. Good. Yeah, no, he was awesome. He was hitting his jumper a lot. Because in FIBA basketball, there's no defensive three seconds. So Nikola was camping in the paint all the time, letting Yanis shoot how, however, how, however many times he wanted. And that was actually the same strategy he used against Bema Debayo. Bema Debayo right. was scoring a lot of points or not great efficiency against the right. Nuggets because Nikola just said, okay, just, just shoot, man. Just, Have I, at I, it. I, yeah. Have at I, it with I, that 10-footer I, that's just not, not super efficient. That's right. So Yanis actually hit some trees and kudos to him. He, he had a really, really good game. But at the end, after the overtime, Serbia won. And now we can watch Serbia at the end of August this year. Yeah. Uh, really thanks to that. I'm that assuming awesome I'm mis- you, Jokic is going to play, right? We have no official news. I would expect okay. him to play unless there is you know, something more about that wrist, uh, uh, wrist problem on Ooh. his right hand. Kind of forgot you know, about that. Yeah. yeah, like I hope it's. I think if he's healthy, he's, he's gonna play because he practically lost all of his summer last last year in order to be able to play this summer. So I really hope he does. I mean, it's it's crazy load on him. That's that's just insanity. Mm-hmm. Like after 112, 102 games this season. Now let's let's do another uh, month with yeah. the national team and a, then come a, back. A grueling tournament too. Um it would be a disservice to call it like a tune-up because it's a really important tournament, especially to the guys who aren't from my neck of the woods. Um, but it certainly would help him stay ready for the 23-24 season. It's, it would be huge for Nikola, especially if they can win the gold medal after 21 years. We we have uh, 21 years without a gold medal in Serbia, he... and we're very anxious about it. But I don't know if you know this, but Nikola arrived in Serbia today and there was no oh. parade. There was nothing really. I, I don't. I don't even know if they will throw something in Sombor for him. Maybe something. I'm not sure. I hope so. I, I'm still waiting for the news. 
If but the not, thing you is, you need to organize it. Marisol. Yeah, but the thing is, if he goes with the national team and they win the gold with national team, there's going to be five hundred thousand people, you know, yeah. waiting for him uh, in Belgrade. So, so if he goes, it's a big deal. Two MV, if he goes two MVPs, uh, championship and a finals MVP and a gold medal in three years, I mean, there that's in, an incredible run. Yeah, it, it is incredible run for him. Even bigger for me, to be honest. <laughs> I actually, <laughs> I actually predicted three things this year, and you you know this because Dante Exum was playing for Partizan Belgrade this season, right? And they yeah. were on the brink of the final four, and then some crazy thing happened, and they didn't that go to the final was four. Crazy. Yeah, it it was because of the fight. I predicted Partizan Euroleague Championship, Nuggets NBA Championship in Serbia, World Cup gold like that. That triple crown would be. Like, would I, I would probably die after that. <laughs> so so no show from me after that. <laughs> But yeah, that, that would be really, really, really awesome. Okay, it is time to take our last break and then we'll do something uh, Adam Mares already did last night, but we'll do it in a bit of a different way. All right, final segment here. Okay, so as I said, Adam Maris did the whole show on this yesterday, had some very good takes comparing Nikola Jokic to some of all-star greats. And we're going to do something similar, but also give you guys a definitive and exact ranking of Nikola Jokic among the all-star greats. So no pressure, Andy. Uh, there are only two people in the world I trust when the all-time rankings are to be made. One is Bill Simmons and the other one is you. So, yeah. What an it's, honor. It's just, yeah, it's... no. As I said, no pressure. So, without a further ado, let's start from the top. I have a list... There's even of... a graphic? Oh, my. Yeah. So, sorry to the to the podcast listeners. You should li really come to the, to the YouTube video right now. So, without a further ado, I compiled the list to help us run through most of the all-star greats. And we will use it to determine Nikola's current seed on the list. Okay, so Nikola Jokic's NBA all-time ranking today. We'll start with the unmovable top six. And let me just take this logo off so we can see it better. Okay, so these are the guys we are not going to debate about because it's at one num Michael Jordan, at two LeBron James, at three Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. At four, Magic Johnson. At five, Larry Bird. And at six, Tim Duncan. Do you have any uh, complaints on my uh, on my top six list? Well, <clears throat> I wouldn't have Jokic in there. Um, not yet. But I actually, I have Shaq at number six. I have Shaq higher than most people do. But. Uh, I think on the list that I did in 2019, and spoiler alert, I think we're going to update this for Bleacher Report to a top 75 this summer. Mm -hmm. um, when I <clears throat> when I did it in 2019, and that this is still the same right now. I'm going through my order, you know, over the last few weeks. I have Shaq six and Duncan seven, okay. so we're so we're not, within not a big shouting difference. distance of each other. Okay. Yeah. So Bird also at five. That's cool. I have Bird at five. Yeah, and I. That's cool. Um. My my dad 
will kill me for that. He's he's a Celtics fan. Um, I I think you could make an argument to flip Magic and Bird, but I have Magic uh, ahead of him. Okay, let's now go to the seven until twelve all time greats. This is still my list, so you you feel free to disagree. At number seven, I have Steph. Okay. So that's that's pretty high, I guess. At number eight, I have Bill Russell, and I have to say, I haven't included a lot of '60s guys on this list because it was it's a tricky. 30, it's a thirteen team league. Well, back at, then, at times it was even nine teams back oh, then. Oh Jesus! Yeah, and, and 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 even the bigger thing is there was no international talent in the league, and yep. to be completely honest, there were too many American white guys in the league. So, <laughs> so. I, don't, I don't mean to diminish that era. And I think a lot of people will say, well, you have to do it, you know, their greatness relative to their era. Um, but I do think those are fair points that people don't bring up enough, especially the one about how small the league was. And I've had people try to tell me, well, that just means the best of the best were in there. And I'm like, no, it means the talent pool was way smaller. And yeah. way fewer people played basketball. Yeah, that's right. Okay, at number nine, Will Chamberlain, another great from the 60s. I mean, all of these guys before Wilt, they had like four or more championships, I guess. Wilt is the first one with only two championships, but come on, it's Will Chamberlain. So mm -hmm. I had to include him here. At number 10, I have Kobe. At number 11, I have Shaq, and you would probably flip those two. And I don't disagree. And at number 12, I have Hakeem. So, you know, it's crazy. I think um, if we just slid Shaq all the way up in front of Duncan, we would have the exact same order through 12. Okay. That's at that's least cool. the order that I'm tentatively going with this summer. That's, that's really cool. That's really cool. <laughs> so, out of these 12 guys we already saw, is there a case for? Any of them to already be surpassed by Nicola? Um, it it becomes sort of a semantics thing or a philosophy thing, and it's how how much value do you put on peak versus longevity? Um, because in terms of peak, I could get really crazy right now when it comes to Jokic. Um, there's an argument we've again we've never seen a peak like this so there's an argument that and, and it depends on how long of a peak you're talking about i mean some people mean one season with a peak some people mean five um but for me there has to at least be an element of longevity in there and that's the only reason i think i could be talked into i mean people non-Nuggets fans who might come across this could think I'm crazy, but I think I could be talked into Jokic over Hakeem. But right now I have Hakeem ahead of him because he just did it for longer. And yeah. he won two titles and he was the lead guy on those two title teams. And Jokic is only 28, so he's still got time to catch those guys. Yes, I agree. We will not surpass any of these 12 guys. We are now going to the next group. 13 to 18, I call these guys first ballot Hall of Famers. So let's see what we have here. At number 13, Moses Malone. 14, Kawhi Leonard. 15, Yanis at 15. Now, we're going to disagree on some of these. At 16, <laughs> Dirk. At 17, Durant. 
at an 18 D Wade. Who did I miss? Um, I have David Robinson in this range. Um, I, I have Oscar. I have Oscar Robertson in this range. I have Kevin Garnett in this range. Um, I have right now, again, this is tentative. I'm, I'm not completely done, but right now I have Jokic behind Giannis. Uh, but the other five guys you have in this image, I think I could make a, a decent argument that to, to have him higher on the all-time ladder. Tell me why Giannis. Why I have him higher right now? Yeah, yeah. Um, it depends on how much stock you put in all defense selections and a defensive player of the year. Those are just boxes that Jokic hasn't checked and probably never will. Um, and he, he started racking up accolades a couple years earlier than Jokic did, so he got a little bit of a head start. Uh, in in that race, and I'm, <clears throat> I think relative to other people who do these kind of lists, I actually put less stock in accolades than a lot of other people did, and I think 20 this season we just finished 22 23 is a good illustration of why um, accolades are just picked by voters who are often wrong about stuff, and and so they're not infallible. But I think there's at least enough of a gap, especially in the defensive stuff, to have Giannis there. But like I said, I'm not I'm not definitive on that yet because statistically, Jokic is just better and has been for three or four years now. Um, so by the time I finalize my list and I go through a bunch of head-to-head comparisons and, and other thought exercises that I do, I could have Jokic higher. Tell me about David Robinson and Oscar Robertson and uh, and uh, Kevin Garnett. What's your take on those three against Nikola? David Robinson, um, I have him right behind Hakeem. And when I did the list in 2019, I actually had him one spot ahead of Hakeem. And I think that was one of the areas where the pushback I got for that list was fair because I think Hakeem was a much better playoff performer than Robinson was. And I don't think I put enough stock in playoffs um, last time around. So that's one mistake I'm hoping to correct. But David Robinson's regular season numbers, I don't think people understand how just unbelievably productive this guy was. Um, And I heard Adam kind of, making this case in that podcast that you referenced earlier. But let's just take, for example, his 93-94 season. He averaged 30 points, 11 rebounds, five assists, three blocks, and two steals. Like Those are just like mind-blowing numbers. And he had a six- or seven-year stretch where he was at um, 26-12, three assists, four blocks, and two steals. He, he was a an absolute force on both ends of the floor. He, he um, was my first favorite NBA player, honestly. I love David Robinson. And yeah, imagine I, if he didn't come to the NBA only at the age of late. 25. Yep. He came super late to the NBA. His, his sure. career would be longer and even more fruitful. Yeah. And I think a lot of other, a lot of people kind of hold it against him that he did not win a title until Tim Duncan got there and and maybe that's fair i think i do put a little bit more stock in a title for a player if he was the guy um 
but I don't, I don't think it, it's as much of a knock as people make it out to be. For Garnett, I think he was the other one you asked me about. I, I think he's a game changer. Everybody rightfully talks about Stephen Curry as a game changer. Michael Jordan is a game changer. Dirk Nowitzki as a game changer. Um, but I think Garnett was too. He was a phenomenal defender who I think ushered in a little bit of the positionless defense. I don't think he did it to the same degree as some other people did, but he was, he was very, very versatile defensively. More importantly, he was a six ten, six eleven guy who brought the ball up the floor. And that reminds us of Jokic, obviously um, created a lot for his teammates. I think, you know, two or three years ago, maybe even more than that. Now that term unicorn was being tossed around a lot as the big guy who can kind of do everything. And I think Garnett was one of our early examples of that. He was, he was incredible. And he's another guy. If you go back and look at his career numbers, um, especially like the Timberwolves days and into the first couple of years in Boston, just phenomenally versatile and productive player. The only thing you can you can say against him is that huge, you know, a series of season he didn't go to the playoffs with the Timberwolves. Huge, and, you know. Yeah. Is is it is it only on the front office that did a poor job, or was it maybe some of it on the superstar as well? But it's it's been a long time ago. I think it's fair to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah, and Oscar Robertson, I have no idea what to do. Oh, with Oscar right. Robertson. Good. Yeah, I'm glad you reminded me. Um, and I, I think what you just said is probably the default for those of us who were born in the 70s and 80s. I was born in the 80s. So obviously, I never saw Oscar Robertson play. I never saw Will Chamberlain play. I never saw Bill Russell play. I mean, I've certainly seen highlight videos. Um, I've seen individual games here and there. But it's different to see a guy live and to be a part of a guy's run. Um, but Oscar Robertson, uh, he was another guy who did everything. Obviously, before Russell Westbrook, he was the only guy in NBA history to average a triple-double. Um, you have to take that with a little bit of a grain of salt because the pace back then was insane. Like Everybody was playing 130 possessions a game, and he was playing over 40 minutes a game. Um, but also, that takes a lot of <laughs> durability and stamina to hold up in, in that kind of a game so um the 60s is just the the 60s and 70s are just kind of hard to gauge for those of us who are a little bit younger but i do think i mentioned this earlier and i don't have any like exact formula i just have different elements that i take from and one of them is how great were you relative to your era and i think in those formative years of the nba uh russell wilt and oscar robertson were were kind of the pyramid at that point. Elgin Baylor's another one. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I haven't mentioned Elgin. I think actually I did in the honorary mentions. Yeah, I had like Rick Berry, Isaiah Thomas, Bill Walton, Scotty Pippen, John Havlicek, and Jerry West. No, I, I didn't even have Elgin Baylor on that list it's, as well. It's tricky to know what to do. You know what's funny? Guys, it's just a different I, game. I have Scotty Pippen here who has won six championships as the second banana. And we just talked about David Robbins, who had two championships as the second banana. So, yeah, but, but he it's was tricky. he was second banana to Michael Jordan. 
So, yeah, sure. <laughs> and Robinson's like the numbers he put up as the lead dog for the Spurs. Yeah, I, I agree. Crazy. Agree. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, so if you would have to make a final standing final seed for, for Nikola Jokic now, we said he's not in the top 12. Where would you put him? Yeah, if I had to publish today, um, I have him penciled in at number 15 right now. But it is in pencil. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. And that's very fair. And just for you to know, Nick Wright has him 22nd. So not a huge difference between you and your friend Nick Wright. Yeah. So he he did his best and he still had to put him <laughs> he had in 22nd. To keep, he had to keep him out of the top 20, though. He knew that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and one more thing we we didn't we didn't talk about his playoff run. So uh, actually, not playoff run, but playoff career of Nikola Jokic. And I forgot to mention that earlier. He's had sixty eight playoff games so far. He scored one thousand eight hundred and sixty nine points in those sixty eight games. The only guys that scored equal or more are Jordan, Baylor, Kareem, Wilt. Iverson, LeBron, and Durant. Jeez, now, if you go to 68. if you go to rebounds, eight hundred and twenty rebounds, and in that span, only uh, let me see, only seven guys did that: Hakeem, Duncan, Barkley, Garnett, Dwight, Mutombo, and Ben Wallace. That's the whole Jeez. list. And now let's go to the assists. That's this is the craziest one. So, 496 assists. And don't forget, he had two playoff rounds without uh, without Jamal Murray. Without Murray. Yeah, and Porter. So, 496. And he is in the same range with 11 guys. Oscar, Zeke, Chris Paul, KJ, Bob Cousy, Darren Williams, Magic, Kidd, Nash, Stockton, and Rondo. And in case somebody didn't catch this... Those are 11 elite point guards. Point guards. Not, not yeah. even LeBron is on that list. That's insanity. That's insane. Have you tweeted that one out yet? No, I haven't. It's too long for a tweet. <laughs> so I, I, I kept it for the show. Let me see if I can work my magic and then I'll cite you. Yeah, I, I can send you the, the whole paragraph and you, you do, you, that's you insane. do your magic. That's insane. That's, yeah. It's it's just that these three and that was, very advanced uh, 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 very advanced stats are completely on the yeah. side. <laughs> that was the other thing that um, has been so frustrating about the last couple of years is people saying, "Well, we we got to see him do it in the playoffs." He he's been a phenomenal playoff performer from his yeah. first postseason game to now, yeah. um, and there was no context in that silly take. He's he's just an incredible playoff performer. Yeah, so, so this is why I need to ask you one more thing. Three years ago, you said that Nicolas ceiling is between top 10 and top 15 player all time. Yep. Is there a ceiling on him now? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I, I dug up that podcast I did for DNVR three years ago. And as I was listening to it, I thought, gosh, you weren't, you weren't confident enough. Saying top ten to fifteen at that at that point proved out to be sort of a conservative estimate. Um, based on what he's done to this point in his career, 
Uh, the answer to your question is probably no, there is no ceiling. Um, I don't, I don't think anybody's because of the mythology and the six and zero record and the finals and all that. I don't think anybody's ever going to pass Michael Jordan. He's just set, he's just set such a unique standard. Um, but I already mentioned this earlier in the podcast, Jokic's first all time in box plus minus. And for those who don't know what that is, it's a catch all metric that just tries to put everything into one stew and, and say how impactful you are over the course of a hundred possessions. Um, and it, it's one that I use a lot because you can search it back all the way to 1973. So it's a lot more accessible than a lot of other catch-alls and it matches the eye test pretty well. Jokic is first all time in that, um, that, that means that at least has to mean something. His stats over the last three years, they're loading right now. 26 points, 12 rebounds, nine assists on, we know, just absurd efficiency. Um, he's doing things that no one has ever done before in a way that no one's ever done it. And so I think the answer to your question is no. <laughs> there is no ceiling. And it's, it's going to sound crazy. I guess it just sort of depends on how long Jokic wants to do this. And I think the whole discussion over, well, he could just retire after this contract is probably a little bit overblown, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy who plays 15 years and wants to go home. I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame him for that. And that's, that's really the only thing that could give him a ceiling. He would need to win three more championships to get into the top six. And I think that Jordan. And that's hard. Yeah, and Jordan, James, and Kareem are safe even in that case. Because, man, Kareem with six championships in 20 years career, like, like it, that's, that's so hard to top. I'm, I could see a scenario where he could top Magic Bird and Duncan, or yeah. Shaq in your case. Um, let me ask you this. And this is looking like way too far in the future because it's, I, I think it's hard to win a championship and it's way harder to win a championship now than it was 20 years ago. It's, it was harder then than it was 20 years before that. So <laughs> winning four championships in today's NBA is a monumental feat. But <laughs> if he did get to four championships, which is where LeBron is, right? Yep. Um, and he plays at the level he's been at for the last three years for like five or six more years. And his career averages get pulled up to like 24, 11 and eight or something. No, you wouldn't it would be, be able to, that. it would be higher than you, that. You wouldn't be able to put him into that conversation. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know. Like six championships. That's it's a too, lot. <laughs> well, I don't think he's going to get to six. No, 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 no. I, I mean, to I compare Nicolas four to Kareem, to Kareem six. six, fair. But Kareem also played. I mean, how many of those champions? He won five of them with Magic. Sure, he did. And Jokic is—he's like Jamal Murray's phenomenal, but it's clear that Jokic is the guy here. I mean, Jamal Murray's not going to finish as a top five player all time. We're going to have a, such a great show next year at this same time, I hope. Yeah. I really do hope. <laughs> Can't wait, meme. Then we'll get real spicy. Yeah. Okay, Andy, do you have something you want to plug before we leave? Not really. I mean, I, I assume a lot of the DNVR listeners might already know me on Twitter at Andrew D. Bailey. And like I said, um, 
it's it's not officially greenlit yet, but I'm pretty sure we're going to do a top 75 at Bleacher Report, and I'm sure that will make the rounds. The last one I did uh, kind of blew up on me, so I'm I'm assuming that'll happen again, and I can't wait for that. Okay, we are in the days of glory. We don't know <laughs> for how long it's going to last. So, dear Nuggets Nation, enjoy being on the top of the world. Talk smack to everybody else. You've deserved it by following this amazing eight run and beyond for the old heads they have they have been following for 34 years. Take care and see you next week. Idemo nuggets.